1: Hello and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent has a guest in studio and he's given me the honor of introducing him. Today's guest is David Martin. David is the president and founder of Fantasy Interactive. With offices in New York, San Francisco, Miami, and London, Fantasy is a human centered product innovation team that ships premium products and ecosystems for the world's biggest brands. Since launching the company in 1999, David has worked with some of the world's most important companies, including Netflix, Xbox, Google, Facebook twitter spotify mtv ford porsche huawei samsung tinder and masterclass david now also works in a chief creative officer capacity directly with alphabet ceo sundar pichai tesla ceo elon musk richard yu ceo at huawei brent okay this (laughs) this bio is incredibly impressive why'd you bring david on the show today well, I
2: think the bio speaks for its, for itself. Right? Really, yeah. I mean, David. I've known David now for about probably about two years, and um, I get a lot of questions from clients about what's happening with artificial intelligence. How is this going to impact our lives moving forward? What are some of the things that we should know? And I've got a basic understanding of what's happening. And you know, we're we're invested in some of the publicly traded companies that are that are key players in this space. But David knows a lot more about this than I do, and I uh, asked him to come in and talk to us a little bit about what's happening in this field, and he was kind enough
1: to say yes. I am really excited. This has been on my mind for a long time as well. You know, movies make it extreme, and uh, I just need to know what's really going on. So thank you so much for bringing him in.
2: Absolutely. I think we're going to get some good answers today. So, uh, David, we thank should. you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, where do you want to start? Let's start uh, at the basics for for people that— I mean. Artificial intelligence, we think of HAL from 2010 Space Odyssey, or we think of uh, the Terminator, we think of all those different things. Matrix, or we think of, you know, our apps, Alexa, and everything else. Right. Let's broadly define what this thing is we're talking about, because no one can really pinpoint exactly what it is. Right. Well, I mean, look, AI is, is obviously short for artificial
3: intelligence, and that word has been out there for years, decades, at this point, right? And it's not really a right word. It's an incorrect word. Artificial intelligence sounds, you know, literally from a a sky movie right which which it is and today it's becoming a a reality and as we know more about artificial intelligence we kind of know now even the name artificial doesn't make any sense and i'll get into that in a second but to to really understand what artificial intelligence is and the impact it has on day-to-day life today and the impact it will have in the future we need to really understand actually what is the human brain when it comes to intelligence, what is the cortex and what is digital intelligence, what's the differences? And just by giving you some context around that, I think it will start to open people's minds exactly how it can be utilized and the concerns and the possibilities about the future. So if we take a step back, which is, is one of those conversations, before we can answer the initial questions, we should take a couple of steps back, right? So you know, what, what, what qualifies me to sit here and talk about AI? There's not a ton. I mean, I'm not there writing AI code. I'm not a developer, but I'm, I'm a designer. So for the past 20 years, I've been working with um, digital ecosystems, right? So as you know, um, an iPhone, an operating system is on that phone, right? And it's connected to lots of different applications. Ultimately, that's a digital ecosystem. So we create operating systems and we've been doing that for, for two decades. The difference over the past 10 years is those operating systems are becoming smarter and smarter. And AI, to the majority of people, is algorithms that are working for you to help you make mundane work easier, right? So, for example, if we talk about the generic applications, how AI is used today, it would be things, for example, like Alexa voice, right? Right. Search search results, dating. So when you go into dating apps, how it, it tries to use AI to understand how your profile matches another profile. So those are the basic algorithms that are in play today. And they've been in play for for a decade, more than a decade. But if I read a quote here, I think it's a good one. It's from a software journalist. Um, Her name is Kaya Ismail. And she says, an algorithm is simply a set of instructions. Right? It's a, it's a a formula for processing data. And AI takes this to another level and can be made up of a set of algorithms to then it has the capacity to change those algorithms. So algorithms is, what, what is an algorithm? An algorithm is, is is trying to give a command to a computer. So uh, if I'm a programmer and I want a certain application, an app or a website or a program to do something, it's it's based on a set of rules. So I say, if this light turns red, then do this. If that light turns green, then do this. And that is the standard way everything that you know today is programmed. It's a set of rules that we create as as developers. The difference is the, the perception of AI is that those algorithms have now outgrown themselves. So they're able to almost learn from their own algorithms, right, and improve upon that. And that is the perception of AI. We are not there. We are absolutely not there yet. There are certain things called um, machine learning. Machine learning is is there in a small capacity where certain algorithms learn based on its trends, its data, its outputs to, you know, how to manipulate the solution based on raw data. And, but that is that is far from the reality that we're in today, but it's coming extremely fast. Yeah. So before we go into all the big, exciting conversation and the crazy stuff we're about to talk about, it's just good to understand Where we are today an algorithm ultimately is a set of instructions based on data and those instructions help make mundane tasks better so for example what are those basic applications so for example at google right they've been using ai for quite a while to do with search how uh, things come up in your gmail how there's certain priority items There's a massive infrastructure within the digital ecosystem at Google that has AI foundation, but it's AI foundation in in kind of more the basic algorithm principles. It's not in any way super intelligence or anything scary. So today healthcare, for example, has a massive amount of AI applications, but it has also some of the biggest opportunities to gain from AI. So for example, we could take a, a camera and we can scan a mole and based on AI algorithms today, we can determine very quickly if that mole or something like that is, is cancerous, right? And all that's doing is the camera takes takes the photo of the mole, it uploads it to the cloud, and the algorithm on the server side within the healthcare ecosystem, ultimately tries to match millions of different photos and, and tiny pixel details and references to f- try to figure out, within seconds, if there's a cancerous component to that mole, right? right? Now, it's never obviously within 100% accuracy, but if you were to give me a picture of your mole, and then I have to go and cross-reference it with a million photos, it would take me, would take me weeks. Or, right? or longer. Or longer. Yeah. So that is ultimately... AI today that exists in the majority of platforms it's at, it's at that level it's not really more dangerous more exciting than that the same goes for let's say Alexa Alexa would be the one of the larger used AI components out there so when you say hey Alexa and you ask it a command it's trying to understand your voice so it, if you say the word what on the back end within milliseconds it tries to understand are, is is he saying what what's 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 the grammar he's saying it in, and quickly tries to make sense of it, and that's all done in in, in splits milliseconds. Right? That's why voice works, and that's AI. So AI today looks at one particular function, and it kind of it does an okay job. We are far from thinking AI is is actually super helpful. I mean, if you look at if you use Alexa in a home, in a smart home, you realize it actually sucks in so many ways. We're so (laughs) far from 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 being there. However, the, the most exciting part of this conversation today is the fact that we have so far to go and we've only we we've not even even seen the surface let alone scratched it. We haven't even seen it. So, you know, if, if we talk about AI in the future, there really should be two focuses. There's concern and there is is applications, how it can be utilized. So, before we go into concern because that's going to take up the majority of this conversation and it's it's good and bad concerns right the the way i think people are going to be very impressed in the next 10 years with how ai will will come into their lives will be in things like let's say you watch a movie right so we design netflix for example right we designed the user interface for netflix a whole bunch of different streaming services and do essentially the operating system there right so there's a lot of data we get when we work with, let's say likes of Tinder, Facebook, Twitter, all these clients that we have, we, we have a massive amount of data. We understand how their users think, what, what they're moving towards, what yeah. they're clicking on. You know, We've got 20 years of, of enormous amount of, of our own machine learning, if you will, based on humans. But going forward, you know. How do you redesign Netflix for the future? So you think people are going to be sitting there, you know, as they do today, going through the same old interface in Disney Plus and Netflix to watch to watch a movie? No, that's going to change completely. So by the time our kids, because you and I both have kids in the same class, right? That's how yeah. we met. And by the time these kids are... are you know, our age, right? They're going to be watching movies with them in it. So as we know, actors like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, all this kind of stuff that we know, these celebrities, imagine in the future, it's not really going to be like that. It's going to be, you're going to watch any movie you want, Home Alone, at Christmas time, let's watch Home Alone, but I want my own kids to be in Home Alone, right? So we're able to scan your face and seamlessly implement that face uh, and the body language and even the voice then into a, a movie. So this is the practical application of where AI is going. It's fun, entertaining in a lot of ways, how you do, you can take an old photo, or you can bring it to life, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's the basic next five to 10 years. And we're already in the midst of that. Now, right now the, the paradigm shift is happening across the board with AI, even in healthcare. So for example, a, another, future basic application that's already coming we're we've been working with Kohler you know the folks that manufacture toilets and sinks showers so one of the things I've been always passionate about is 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 the toilet it sounds crazy right so the toilet is one thing that you and I have used since we've been kids and it's it's never changed Right? right? It's the same thing. Our parents put us on it for the first time. It looks the same. It works the same. Just nothing different about the damn toilet. Almost everything in life that we know gets some kind of smart upgrade, but not the toilet. And the toilet. Except is, in Japan. Except in Japan. Well, that, that get, you've got the heated seats and all that kind of stuff, yeah. sprinkles, cleans you, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. The toilet is the number one thing in life that we give something to and we get nothing back in return. You could get all that medical information. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine I'm going to the bathroom, and you know, it tells me within 30 seconds you're pregnant, Right. you're low in vitamin D, you've got early signs of pancreatic cancer. These are the things where quickly, based on sensors, sensor technology is a massive evolving thing, combined with um, you know, AI, it's telling us very quickly you know, how we can be preventative. You know, how, because every day, you know, when you go to the doctor or every year you go to the doctor X amount of times, not that many, you know, the average person gets a blood test not that many times a year, if ever, yep. right? But if every day we can be getting data from you, if you need the bathroom, right? The goal to really reduce, you know, disease is is going to be massively impacted by being preventative versus being reactive. And obviously being preventative, it's not on the exact um, side of healthcare companies like Pfizer, who sell a lot of, which is one of our clients who sell a lot of, obviously their products for a lot of money. You know, preventative healthcare is something where AI is gonna play a massive role, where it's going to significantly reduce uh, diseases in the world, as well as trying to cure diseases with larger AI supercomputers. So these are the practical examples of where AI is really gonna play a role that's gonna be exciting in the next five to 10 years. And there's gonna be a million examples, but
2: what happens as we get a little further not even not even 10 20 years if, if i can interject something really quick you, you bring up two points particularly with medical information um, for me all of this stuff has to hinge on some sort of a morality behind it right because if you lose that degree of privacy and this data suddenly becomes the the property of corporations or the government or large institutions. I mean, to me, as someone that's a huge advocate for privacy, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what the trade-off is between early cancer detection. Which I guess, if it was me, I would hope that I would hope that you had that detection. Right. And just this loss of aut- autonomy in so many other areas. So when I hear you talk about those things, on one hand, I'm like, that's absolutely incredible. And I know a lot of people that have died of cancer. Man, if it, they had had that kind of information so mm-hmm. early, their lives are probably saved. Right. But there's always an ugly side to that coin. You have, a, you have the nice, nice shiny side that looks fantastic, you turn that coin over and it's really ugly really fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, How, how do you, in, in a world with a lot of competing moralities, how do you possibly underpin, and we're not even touching the surface of what I think you're gonna go with, with some sense of morality in terms of what it means to be a human being. Well, I mean, that the, the morality and, and AI are two conflicting
3: beasts and the kind of rules of how artificial intelligence should be set up under a democratic infrastructure is going to have to thoroughly address the morality of, of how that may play. But I think there's two there's two questions here. One, how does morality play in the future of our AI decisions? But how does it play also in reality to privacy, for example, when we're getting data from the bathroom on a daily basis, right, to make sure that that data is protected, obviously. So obviously, you know, today we have HIPAA, where you know we go to our doctor they can't reveal anything about us right they have to keep it very private so naturally any future technology that's coming that's enable enabling you to understand you know what your heart rate is your ekg stuff data from whatever you give us has to be private so for example are you familiar with 23andme yes so we designed 23andme right oh i know that one and so you know i remember when we we originally got 23andme the, the, the excel it was a massive excel sheet mm-hmm. and they gave us this massive excel sheet. said here's an example of all the data that we get Right and from from genes, and we need to turn this into a product that consumers are willing to pay for to be able to, you know, plan their family tree or look at their healthcare, you know, and probably have some kind of preventative output from that. Right. So obviously, with very sensitive data, and you know, obviously, cybersecurity, um, whether it's healthcare or whether it's anything, is going to become a, a massive, more important industry and and beast than it is today, especially as we go forward with AI. Um, So ultimately, privacy is definitely going to be its own conversation of how to protect that. But it's really going to be around similar infrastructures that we have today, um, such as HIPAA, such as cybersecurity, um, for, for any kind of future tech. But I'm not really worried about privacy
2: so much, because that's something that we control. Sort of, because HIPAA is not applying if you're at a restaurant in New York City. Sure, they, they want they want proof that you've had a medical procedure. That that is that is technical. Just that's that, a whole other conversation. Just, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> right? But the, the reality
3: is that. There, you don't have to, if you want, don't want to go to the restaurant, obviously you don't have to volunteer it. And eventually yeah. I'm sure that will be gone. It's ridiculous. COVID is a bit of a bubble in terms of, you know, everything's very reactionary. It's not really t- properly taught through, not properly voted on, right. all the mandates, all this kind of stuff. The government are just, you know, if you look at government in New Zealand, how everything is super locked down and the government of Denmark yesterday announced that they're reopening on Tuesday, that they're d- COVID's done, that's it. Yes. You know, so it's two completely conflicting countries that are typically on the same team normally. They have completely different operational models to it. And because they're all just panicking, they Correct. don't really, So, so COVID's a bubble, but the reality going forward, the democratic society around digital and and AI is really going to play center field, right? Because what we know about privacy invasion is we're not even we haven't ever really been invaded properly. What what's coming? Because everything about your body and everything about your brain, your mental health, is is all going to become a digital signature in the future whether you like it or not that's where it's going and this is where the concerns really start to come in so let's let's look at at some of the concerns right about artificial intelligence so the to get perspective right human is an intelligent person right S- semi intelligent would you say
0: mm-hmm.
3: okay so the the reason you're intelligent is because you have a cortex in your brain right and the rest of your body and your brain just makes everything work biologically, but your cortex is where kind of your, your thoughts are, your kind of self-consciousness and, s- and stuff like that, right? Now, within that cortex of the human brain, this is where it gets crazy. That, that cortex has, has neurons, for example, that can fire up to, for example, five times a second, right? All the way up to maybe maximum 200 times per second it can fire off information right Um, so just keep that in mind for a second but before we go there let's talk about the discovery of AI what what AI really really is coming so when did society humanity start to kind of really change it started in my opinion in, in 1879 when Edison invented electricity, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I know you, I'm here today, I'm from Ireland, I'm here today, I'm I'm listening to myself in headphones, I'm driving the car I drive, Um, I'm in this air-conditioned room with these lights, all because of electricity. If it wasn't for electricity, the kind of machinery we'd have to make planes, to make this, to do this, to make the internet, to watch TV, to get entertained, to have ambitions to go to different countries, wouldn't exist without electricity so electricity is is probably one if not the biggest invention um, of, of all humanity right now that's amazing because I mean if you look before electricity was invented there wasn't really much going on in humanity and then electricity came and look how quickly everything changed right now the next major item that was waiting to be discovered for a billion years was was the atom okay and what happened in 1945 when we discovered the atom we designed the nuclear bomb right, right? which is ultimately you know uh, a natural worry of every human on the planet that understands what a nuclear bomb is, especially at, at the moment when we're potentially about to see a, a conflict in, in Ukraine and in, in Taiwan right with two superpowers we don't want to really get into a fight with right so the, the the nuclear you know weapons bombs, atoms how to how to, to manipulate them um, ultimately came along in 1945. Right after this massive span of humanity. Now, AI is your electricity, you got the atom, and then the next thing is AI. Now, to give you a perspective, although you thought electricity was a major change in, in humanity, and then the atom bomb was a major change in humanity, AI is, looks to me that it will dwarf both of those together, dwarf it. Because this is where humanity—we are either going to completely lose humanity, um, or we're going to be able to somehow keep it at bay. We—I don't know yet. So it's pretty scary, and, and and why it's scary is because if you look at the back to the cortex, the human brain, where we can let's say a max fire of five, a two hundred, you know, uh, we can give two hundred commands per second, right? Let's say uh, with a neuron in your brain, right? The 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 data within a digital superintelligence, right? And an AI, uh, remember I said artificial intelligence is not really the right word. Yeah. So a superintelligence, a digital superintelligence, which ultimately is, you know, for lack of what the average person knows today is like an AI bot in the future, right? That will have the capacity, right? Let's pretend we build a computer the size of my brain. And that already can fi- up, up you know, a thousand times more neurons per second than, than my cortex can. Then the neurons themselves, they travel, right? At, at, you know, a hundred, meters a second. And so when, it, when, when you think your neuron, you're thinking goes at a hundred meters a second within a computer, the size of my brain, that neuron is outpacing it and it's traveling at the speed of light. Right? So, the speed of light is one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second, right? So that means the Earth is, let's say, twenty-four thousand miles around. So I'm going to run around the Earth. It's going to be 000, or twenty, almost twenty-five thousand miles to run around that. At the speed of light, that I I get around that Earth seven and a half times in, in, in one second, right? Yeah. So very very quick, very very fast. And remember, in comparison to the, my brain sending a neuron, it's hundred meters. A second. So within that second, I can go 100 meters, right? The, the brain can go 100 meters a second. And within the same brain size uh, that's a computer, it can go obviously far faster, right? Now imagine then I take that brain and I make it not just the size of my own brain, but I make it the size of an entire warehouse, let's say a massive Walmart, and I make, put jam it with processors and computers, which we have today. Now imagine the size of that brain compared to mine. It's far, far bigger, far, far bigger. It can, it can compute tasks far quicker than my own neurons and cortex can. Far, far quicker. So you can imagine that if just the physical entity on the size of that brain compared to my brain, right, that the the power of that brain to do things is is beyond almost comprehension. Like most humans don't understand really the size of the universe. We kind of, people have an idea, but most people, you go out in the street and you ask most people, what's the speed of light? 700 miles an hour, 400 miles an hour. You know, I, I've done it. I've done it in an experiment. I had to go out to the street, ask people what's the speed of light. Almost, almost nobody knows what's, what's going on. So AI has a similar thing where the capabilities of AI Based on the physical size of the technology compared to our brain is something that we really have to take into play here because that's where things are going.
2: So, you know, do you want to do you want to ask something yeah, on that? Yeah, and I would also consider the two that you know you're talking about the human brain working at 100 meters a second versus the speed of light, right? we are also, we have brains that are working slower. Right. We're also limited by our fingers, uh-huh. by our mouths, the thumbs. by our thumbs, mm-hmm. by, so the, the actual transfer rate of the information that we might actually be able to compute in our head is, is nothing. Where you take two of your Walmart-sized super brains and the amount of, what we have spent, you know, a little bit of time here discussing happens in the flash, it's, it's, a, it's an instant. It doesn't even, it doesn't even compute. No, it, it, it's insignificant yeah you know insignificant so so right now the
3: the point of this is that asi is dormant so asi stands for artificial super intelligence it really should be dsi digital super intelligence because there's nothing artificial in about this in the future artificial is something that sounds almost like fake it's 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 something that we can almost turn on turn off right like i I wish we move away from the word artificial because we're really creating another being another intelligence right In a digital super intelligence ultimately it's sitting there it's like the atom was for for, for billions of years it, it's dormant right and once we get that machine learning to a level where it's really starting to learn and manipulate and where it's really running well in the big supercomputer warehouse infrastructures that's when we start moving into machine consciousness so Right now, you and I are conscious, right? I know who you are. I know you're sitting in front of me. I can understand your thoughts. I, c- I-, I can get my thoughts over to you. You know, we have general you know, reactions from each other's body language. You know, I- I'm self-aware that I'm here, I'm conscious. So I-, I have empathy of thoughts, all sorts of feelings, stuff that a computer doesn't have. But w- if a machine becomes conscious, right? So, I mean, you and I, Although we're biological, let's pretend we're, we're not. We're technically our heart, our skin—it's technically all made up of synthetic stuff. And so, ultimately, we could be robots. Um, robots is even sounds like a silly thing, but we could be basically completely man-made in the future, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not that difficult to replace certain things. The things that the main thing that we have difficulty with is understanding consciousness and how to. You know repurpose that that's why we can't bring anyone back from the dead like right? we can't spark you know that consciousness back but with machines and algorithms on top of algorithms that learn from one another that ultimately let's exponentially get a lot more crazy that's when you get into the machine consciousness so which is ultimately digital super intelligence right so dsi is is the thing that we need to really think about in the future, right? Because, again, there's going to be a ton of applications over the next 5, 10 years that humans are all going to, oh, my God, this is AI. This is great. It's doing X for me, doing Y for me. It's much easier to get my home to look after security for me. You know, I can watch all these movies with my kids in it. You know, it's amazing. And it's all great on the surface. But once we get to that machine consciousness component, which we are getting to, it's coming. It's not it's not a matter of if it's a matter when, and it's not a hundred years in the future. It might not even be 15 years in the future, right? It's sitting there and everyone is working really hard on it right now to figure out, to get that algorithm to just get in that motion, to get it to flow, to really understand itself and ultimately become for lack of a better term, alive. Now, if it becomes alive, you know, People instantly go to things like the Matrix, or they go to you know all sorts of different crazy sci-fi movies, and that's okay because that's all they know what AI is. Now, the key—you ask a lot of experts out there, um, you know, what what do we think AI needs? Artificial superintelligence, which is real—the real danger. So we know that we needed to be cognitive, so we needed to be able to learn, to store, but also to comprehend, right? We need it to be able to think. So AI needs to have morality, ethics, rationale, artistic creation, experimentation for, for science, but it also needs to be able to work with logic. And then it needs to be responsive, right? Almost a human level of, of responsiveness. And without that, it's gonna be very hard for humans to build a relationship with AI that doesn't become divisive. So when we set up you know asi we needed it to be de- uh, democratized you know if it's not democratized it's just going to run rampant and as you mentioned you know t- two sides two sides of the coin one shiny side and one very dirty side the, the, what do you mean democratized when you say that we need we need a set of ultimately a set of rules a set of govern rules that that is designed by humanity on behalf of the governments and and the best people on the planet to ultimately set up you know an operating rule set that ai is allowed to work within so once ai becomes machine conscious right we need to be best friends with that machine we need to make sure it's operating within a a realm where it can't go rogue where only people that are involved in 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 programming and developing the algorithms and the asi are operating within a predefined set of rules, uh, processes, outputs, actions was without it. Um, the reality is that it can, it can just get away from us very quickly. So you, you can't just open the doors and go, oh, anyone can just go and come in here and play with this, especially if it's machine conscious,
2: you know, we, we, it can just easily just run out of control. But let me ask you this. Since the dawn of humanity, since when have human beings ever followed rules, and and you talk about right. and you talk about a um, a single I guess morality that's that's associated with, with how we attempt to govern something like this. The morality in China is vastly different than the reality in the United States. Right. There there is no even single human set of morality. Right. And if you if you start looking basically basically purely on logic, well, purely on logic, it doesn't make sense to keep somebody beyond their useful life even alive. Yet we do it every single day. So human beings don't they don't operate. According to the rules, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They absolutely have different moralities, and, and logic almost never applies. So, you're looking at creating something that's entirely different. It's an entirely different species than what we're talking about. And you're doing it in a way that is a hell of a lot more powerful than us immediately. And what's to say that, that a consciousness like this that arises doesn't look at us and be like, what are you going to do about it? Right. <laughs>
3: and that, that's obviously the natural, the first natural thought of anyone that doesn't know what's coming and what it is. They're naturally and rightfully so afraid of that but you know if we china we'll get to china in a bit and russia because there's definitely a conversation around dsi digital superintelligence that russia and china both have a focus on and the American government have a different focus. So we've been working with China, specifically Huawei, which is the biggest, the biggest real tech company in, in China. They own the majority of the telecommunications networks. They're the biggest operating system in the world. You know, we designed their OS, right? And I work with their 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 CEO, Richard, and in, in, in China, you know, they're they're gods. They're the people that are out there really creating the future for China. You know, and of course, Americans have already been pretty scared of that. They've, they're worried about spy devices and all that kind of stuff. And Which was crazy for us because we're sitting in California designing the operating system, right, in yeah. San Francisco. And the American government are worried about, you know, that. But then they don't understand there's an American design agency in San Francisco, in London and New York, working on basically me driving this, this uh, you know, artificial intelligence operating system for the future of Huawei, right? And, and we're, we're not doing the development, we're designing how users interact with it, how it looks, how it feels, how you, what you touch, how you kind of, when you open the phone for the first time, how you're onboarded to it and all that kind of stuff, right? Like when you get in a test and you open it for the first time, how it all works, kind of same stuff. Yeah. Um, so China has been very much focused on AI with voice, operating systems, all that kind of stuff from, from the private sector, if you will right but the rest of the world particularly america same thing but on the military side um china are, are leagues ahead of the united states leagues leagues i mean even the u.s government uh, the pentagon all in the past two three months have come out both in terms of hypersonic missiles and artificial intelligence to say we're we're in deep trouble in the united states like we're so far behind china in in getting to machine consciousness to be able to build a better infrastructure. So this is now where it starts to get even really more interesting. So the, a lot of people would ask the question, okay, as AI comes, is it going to replace my job? You know, tomorrow, no, but in 10 years, yes. Like, for example, all the Uber drivers, we're not going to need them, right? The delivery drivers, we're not going to need them, train drivers, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to need them when it comes to even today in factories. just if you look at most factories out there that are advanced, there's a lot of stuff those factories already do today that have for decades replaced humans, right? Now, there is a ton of jobs, a ton of jobs that are going to be done by AI, a ton to the point where the majority of jobs, even the, for lack of a better term e- e- or analogy, even the president of the United States, which doesn't look like a tough job at the moment, um, the, the you know, AI would technically do a much better job, right? So obviously you don't want to put AI in charge of the world's most, you know, biggest superpower, right? That's that's too scary of a talk at the moment, but there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be replaced in the future. So what does that mean? So people are ultimately, is what's going to change. We're humans, humanity. So the biggest thing ASI will affect, you know, considering we we, Build a proper democratic and you know a proper ecosystem with a set of rules that is that is clear that we're not going to be in danger from anything kind of going rogue. The major thing that will change is is humanity. So, for example, it's already started. So today you could be out at um, a restaurant at the bar. Like there's a bar. Uh, what's it called that close Darbyls. by here? Or even what's the one like Hillstone, Hillstone close by, right? Yep. No, is that a Hillstone? I was sitting at the bar, and you've all seen this. Everyone that listens has seen this. And I'm at the bar, and I look across. And there's maybe six people at the bar, you know, in the line, sitting there with a food or drink, whatever. And all six of them are sitting on their cell phones. Right? Their heads are down. They're on their cell phone. No one's really making conversation. Right? That's that's a that's a humanity shift, a small one, but it's a humanity shift over the past you know t- ten years. Yeah. Right? Where the kids, you know, adults, they're all stuck on their phones right? So it's a bit of a sad, I think everyone recognizes it's a sad thing. We, we, we kind of understand the benefits of it, but as far as humanity goes, it's like, that, that's pretty sad. We're kind of losing it. We're kind of stuck in our own little digital world now. So imagine that 10 times. You know, this is where uh, the first concern comes. It's not about, okay, the world is going to end. It's we're going to start to lose humanity. Yeah. And so part of that is where, where a lot of experts think humanity is going. It's, um, you know, there's there's a system um they're looking at a, a a united currency yeah you know an equal an equal income an equal currency for uh, like a universal currency for everyone a,
2: a status except for the guys that designed the system
3: well you know you never know what's <laughs> going to happen there but they're saying you know that Right, right now, we it, you know, let's pretend we're from a different planet. And we're you and I are going around. We're looking for a place to live. We're sick of Seftor 5, you know, in the whatever quadrants. And we, in our nice little ship, come over here to speed of light. Oh, here's Earth. It looks great. So nice and shiny blue. Nice water. Oh, beautiful. Great. Some sunshine here. Oh, wait a second. So I just looked into it now. It seems at Earth, to, to get in here, you have to work. They've got seven days in their week. And out of seven days in their week, you've got to work five of them. And then for five days of the week, you know, you start in the morning, you come home in the evening, and then on the weekend, you get two days off. So basically, we're saying to aliens out there that, hey, you want to come and work here? Well, you've got to do a five-day week, but we're only going to give you two days off. That doesn't seem like a fair life. That doesn't seem like a good life, right? Unless you find purpose in your work. Unless you find purpose in your work, of which the majority of people don't. It's, let's let's that's face true. it. Most people are, you know, 99.9% of people are working because they have to, not because they want to. Right. right, and you know, so those aliens are like, You know what this this this, this is a raw deal like we 're out of here we 're not going to work at earth uh, we 'll move somewhere else and so, if we really kind of take that into consideration, right, you know humanity is not really doing a great job you know we 're not really living we're, we're you know our kids are in school, schools are okay, it could be far better. Um, You know, our politics in every country feels like politics, feels like a mess. Um, The happiness level of people is not really true happiness. You know, kids obviously with the social media, heads on the phone, the Instagram expectations, they're not as happy, nearly as happy that they used to be. Human relations with your neighbors compared to what they were when your parents were alive, their neighbors is far different. So humanity, in one way, I don't think is really doing a good job, I think that you know, a big part of that is that we're we're driven to be working. The ultimate majority of our lives. You know, we we, we give so much and we get some back but nowhere near as much as we put into it I feel and I mean some people obviously this isn't it's not for them another I think a lot of people fit into this category where they don't want to work five days a week and get two days off they'd rather work almost nothing obviously we'd all rather just have happy happy and do good times and ultimately we all want to get there but we can't afford to but that's where things are going to change that's where DSI digital superintelligence is going to start to take over so much of those tasks that people go to work for every day then those people will have nothing to give to the workplace right they're, they're not going to be useful the, the intelligence digital superintelligence will ultimately replace the majority of human operators you know for, for, and for many reasons which most of them we would all agree with right the the side effect is then what are all these people going to do mm-hmm. so this is where humanity is is epically going to change so you have to create a, a sense of self-worth for people so what's going to happen so let's say you look at Elon right so Elon you know who a lot of people have heard him talk about AI so there's a couple of things he he believes in We're talking about Tesla CEO here just for yeah so you know i i know Elon right so the, so, he would say, okay, the, the, the least scary, this is, this is some quotes from him I've written down, right, for the sake of this. So, Elon, when he talks about AI, he would say, the least scariest future is one where we have a democratized AI. If it's not democratized, we're in, we're in deep shit. Mm-hmm. We're in big trouble. Okay. Um, he feels also we could have an immortal dictator and from which we could never escape. If that, if that was to happen, if, if the machine consciousness, because remember, my, my brain is pretty small, my cortexes are pretty slow in comparison to this consciousness that we've created. I mean, we're creating a, 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 literally a consciousness, and it's there's nothing humans have ever created in life that hasn't been from, from nature. I mean, just put that into perspective. I mean, everything, that cup, that laptop, the electricity, Everything comes from the, the tools and the earth and you know science stuff, whatever. You know, uh, machine consciousness is is comes from nothing. It, it, it's it's from zeros and ones, digital. So it's extreme manipulation of of, of digital electric microns, right? And we're creating. So e- even the concept of of you know supercomputer AI artificial intelligence for people, you know. You have to understand that that humans are creating something for the first time that ultimately is from nothing it's almost worth creating life right so i think you have to take that into consideration for how insane this is going to be in the future remember electricity the atom ai is beyond far beyond these things. It's going to change humanity in so many ways. So, uh, back to what Elon said as well. Okay, so he, he talks about ASI will be smarter than all humans combined, right? Even just one ASI computer. All humans combined, it'll be faster, quicker, smarter, right? AI is far more dangerous than nuclear warheads, he says, by a lot. So, um, he asked, why don't we have obligatory oversight? It, right now, it, we don't, and it's, in, it's insane. Uh, he wants to have close coupling between um, the human and digital intelligence, and we'll talk about Neuralink in a second. Mm. And then um, the merger with machine and digital intelligence to him is vital, which I agree with. The high bandwidth interface to the brain will maybe solve usefulness, but can we control the problem? So he then also talks about UBI, which is UBI is a word you're gonna hear quite Universal frequently. Universal basic income, I'm guessing. Right, yeah. yeah. And and ultimately that's the ultimate balance of life. Happiness, humanity—it's really socialism 2.0. Bernie Sanders is going to be the absolute champion of UBI, right? And if you—if you, you know, without going into politics, I'm—I'm—I've uh, I'm, always been very pro-capitalist, very pro-like, just move things forward, stuff, whinging about stuff. You know, uh, you have got to work. I'm not going to give all these things out to, for for free to people that just don't want to work and want to sit there on their couch, right? I'm—I'm I'm not into that you know but socialism the idea of socialism makes a lot of sense i mean i lived in sweden for seven years right which is a very socialist country as is denmark finland you know but i'm as far from loving socialism when you see it in the country how it how it how it works i mean the socialism ends up where people are a bit more mute they're not really talking to each other there's not a lot of conversations not a lot of personality i found in those kind of societies where everyone just kind of wants to be equal you know, no one really want to stand. No, people don't really want to stand up or stand out of the crowd. So it creates a bit of a mundane kind of thing going on. And without going too much into that, that ultimately is is the idea that no one should be unhappy. No one should be, you know, not equal. Really, the idea is that you know, people being hurt and people feeling bad about life, and they want everyone to be happy, right? Which, in reality, is commendable, right? It's just not practical. It doesn't make any. You can, everyone would love to be happy and everyone to be happy, but it doesn't make sense in today's financial climate or geographic climates, it, do, it was just not possible. It's also hugely contrary to human nature. Right, does that as well, right? And Which, so Ukraine, you're getting more mute. It's like on the phones, like we're all stuck on, on phones. It's it's not human nature. Yeah, There's so many things about human nature that's dissolving. So, you know, what the problem with UBI is that you know, you're going to get to the point where what they're, the experts are expecting is that the average human ultimately is not going to have this lust and drive anymore to get the fancy house get the fancy cars etc cetera, etc cetera. your happiness is going to come more from within being human how you communicate the role you play in humanity you know back to the question what are all these people going to do in the future when they they don't have jobs when, computers, technology, hardware, ASI, has ultimately taken over the majority of jobs, right? Like, just for example, New York Times bestseller books, right? In, you know, how long does it take to write a New York Times bestseller? You know, I don't know, never written one, but probably at least six months a year, I have no idea. I would guess so, yeah. Right, but ASI will write it in 20 minutes, not even. Even the most basic ASI. So, great movie lines, jokes, all that kind of stuff. ASI is going to ultimately take all those roles, like right? to write a phenomenal movie and produce it within three D graphics, to that looks super realistic. That to, to write New York Times bestsellers, all that, all those jobs will be gone, because ASI is going to do a far better job than you can do as a award winning, you know, Nobel Prize winner, you know, New York Times best author. Like you don't have a chance against this stuff, right? So that will just give you a context of how so many people will ultimately be replaced but then humanity needs to start then to focus on humanity because the focus of humanity particularly over the past you know 100 years has been very much about what can i give to life based on my five work days a week mm-hmm. that has become so much the the root of of the drive of education of of social you know, interactions, everything is about what you're giving to life and what you're doing, what your job is, what your money is, what you're buying, all that kind of stuff. But is that really human happiness? We're, we're just trying to get to happiness in some ways, by maybe fulfillment, you know, financial stability, but is it really happiness? I don't know. For some people, yes. I think for a lot of people it's not, especially people that are not at the top end of the career echelon, the career spectrum. So that's where I think humanity and, and how humans become more human is going to be ultimately the role of the future if, if it's going in this path, as a lot of experts think.
2: Yeah, I think, and a lot of it's, it's so philosophical in the sense that I, if you ask me why are we here, what's the purpose of life, I would say to learn, to learn and hopefully, and hopefully progress, and who knows what comes next. But part of that is everything in our world is a game. That's why kids play games. Some some people win, some people lose. There's, mm-hmm. it, this this business, I view this business largely as a game yeah. in a lot of different ways. If you take away the game, you take away the purpose. And even that person, I would argue, that hates their job, they might. Again, I lived in New York. I've said this several times to people. When I lived in New York City, subway is the greatest place on the world in the world for a psychological experiment because you have billionaires maybe not so much billionaires, we have multi multi-millionaires riding that subway, you have right. homeless people riding the subway. Mm-hmm. And what I agree with you in the sense that 95% of them at least look miserable every single day. Right. But in their misery there's purpose because they are, they're, they're providing food for their child or, or their spouse or they, they're adding something into it. And I, I can just say for myself personally, if, if you told me all of my needs would be met and I wouldn't have to work for them. My answer would be no, because what's the point? Well, you know, I think a lot of people are going to agree with you on that. And on that note, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. And I realize we've gone close to an hour. And Dave, would you come back for this again? I mean, there's, there's a lot more to talk about. We,
3: we're, <laughs> we're, we've got to talk about the, the problems, China, Russia, Neuralink, Simulation Theory. That, that's where it gets exciting.
2: Okay, so i so to anyone listening we're going to view part one here as the the boot system i guess for the conversation it's going to continue in part two and david thank you so much for coming in here <laughs> yeah no problem and we will we will schedule a part two if you are willing and much appreciated absolutely i love the stuff
1: guys this was yeah this was fantastic i i, I can't say that enough um fascinating fascinating stuff i'm really looking forward to part two so david thank you so much for being here of course brent thank you so much for bringing him on the show and our last thank you always goes to you listening on it thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the smart money simplified podcast with brent mikosh if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below this way when brent comes out with a new podcast it'll show up directly on your listening device this makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family And, and man this is one to share you want to have a good discussion and a long discussion share this one Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602 255 Don't forget to click the Follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available.